Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. One of the things that we are asked most here at AmericanGlutton.net is if I've had to deal with loose skin and what can be done about loose skin. Massive weight loss typically comes with excess skin. Well, I'm happy to have Dr. Roddy Raban on today to talk about just that. He is a premier plastic surgeon. We will discuss the pros and cons of the surgical solutions for loose skin. You can find Dr. Raban at Dr. Roddy Raban on Instagram and listen to his podcast, Plastic Surgery Uncensored. Dr. Raban, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So, for me, it was a, a big and traumatic experience, and for so many, it is a kind of a very shocking thing because it's very seldom talked about or broadly disseminated that massive weight loss comes with loose skin. Correct. This is, this is something that I couldn't escape from, and I tried all kinds of things to get away from this, but I, I want to hear from a real doctor yeah, so I think that's interesting that you should mention that because, you know, depending on where I meet patients in the journey, of course, my job is to educate them. So occasionally I'll see patients early on in the stage where they're still heavy in their weight. They haven't quite yet made the disciplinary decisions to lose that weight. And of course, they come to you hoping that there's going to be a magic bullet, right? So 
when they see patients early on and I see them and as should every other physician be honest with them that, hey, listen, now is not the time to in, uh, invest in aesthetic surgery. You're just not at your welterweight. You need to lose the weight in order to have, have not just an okay outcome, but a great outcome. It's at that time that you have the conversation to tell them, hey, listen, just FYI, when you lose this weight, you need to be ready. And so a lot of, so it all depends on how you get there. As you know, people that have gained a tremendous amount of weight often utilize different avenues to lose the weight. One is diet and exercise, which we always encourage. Some people simply just can't do that for whatever number of reasons, and they go through the bariatric route. So they get surgery to lose weight, whether that be historically a lap band or now a gastric sleeve or back in the day it was called a a bypass, et cetera. It's at that juncture that those individuals need to know that, hey, by the way, if you're going to lose, I say the the magic number somewhere around 50 pounds. Once you lose more than 50 pounds, be prepared that you're going to be left with the sequelae of having been overweight. And that may be as mild as some loose skin in areas that you dislike, as high as, oh my God, what, what is this stuff? And so it doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're man or woman. And it doesn't matter if you are... Arnold Schwarzenegger. This isn't a muscle-related issue. This isn't a fat-related issue. This is a skin-related issue. And um, it's interesting because there's this psychology that occurs when you're losing weight. So here you are, you look in the mirror, you're like, I don't want to be this weight anymore. I want to lose this weight. So let's take you in your instance. You're like, I'm going to just really hunker down. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to tweak my diet. And there's this fascinating thing, and I don't know if it occurred to you, but it happens in so many of my patients. They start to lose the weight, and there's this this bizarre moment where you're losing weight and you feel better. There's no way you don't feel better. Why? Because you're not carrying around the same amount of weight. You're more energetic. You get up earlier. You 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 know you can you don't huff and puff. You you just all the symptoms of being overweight are slowly going away. Your blood pressure is better, so you feel better. But you look in the mirror, and oddly, you may even look worse. Forget about looking better you just look worse. And so you're like, oh my God, what's going on here? My abdomen looks worse. And then so the natural next thing is, oh my God, I need to lose more weight. Because the idea is is this is not working. And you do this and then you'll get to this sort of weight where maybe you feel amazing and let's just say hypothetically you didn't have the skin, you'd look amazing, but you still have all the skin and you don't look amazing. And so I see patients, believe it or not, and I just saw a lady last week who came to me and she's like here for a, she lost like, she was an old patient of mine. She lost, I don't know, 60 pounds, which may seem not a lot, but on her frame, it was a lot of loose skin. And I told her she needed a particular surgery. And she's like, wait, I definitely think I need to lose another 20 pounds. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't lose any more weight. She's like, what do you mean? And I said, this thing that you're looking at, this feeling that you have at this point is not weight. And the thing is, you think that you can lose weight to get rid of it. So the, the point I'm making is that there's a high, at a certain point, you must lose weight. And there's a certain point where if you lose more weight, you're not going to get there. But 100%, when you lose, we call it a massive weight loss. That's just the term that they use. You should be prepared that you will be left with certain areas. And they, what are those areas? They are invariably the abdomen, the trunk. The abdomen and trunk are different. So the abdomen is the front. The trunk is the, the, the hip, the thighs, the buttock region. The arms, the inner thighs, the neck, those are going to be the, the core areas. Of course, there will be other areas. And everyone, which is incredible, 
has a different distribution of weight loss and different concerns and different things that bother them. So you have three patients, they lost 100 pounds, one person comes in and they have like, their neck is perfect, but they have all this loose skin in their inner thigh. Another person comes in, lost 100 pounds, their inner thighs are like amazing, but they have what they would refer to as bat wings and it drives them nuts. And then another person comes in and their extremities are great. They have like three folds on their abdomen that they have to wear all this extra clothing to remove. So it's going to distribute differently, but it is guaranteed you'll have it. And then the thing that you need to understand is at that juncture, you will need assistance. And you should not punish yourself by going into starvation mode. You shouldn't punish yourself by, okay, well, I work out four or five days a week. I'm going to two times a day. There will be a point where you will need assistance if you want to remove it. Now, you cannot remove it. You can say, you know what? Internally, I feel great. You will get all the benefits of weight loss from a cardiovascular standpoint without touching the skin. That's an aesthetic component, which is incredibly valuable, but it's not crucial. So if you're in a financial situation or it just doesn't bother you, great. Then you know what? More power to you. Yeah. I Now, okay. I, I find truth in everything you're saying. I do hear occasionally or almost repeatedly guys like Joe Rogan talking about like this one guy who who did a, a year-long fast and just was getting IV transfusions of vitamins and nutrients but was essentially doing a water fast for a year, lost over 100 pounds, had no loose skin. Impossible. Uh, it's, it's, let me tell you something. I'm a, this, this is what I do every day. This is my wheelhouse, okay? Yeah. I'm a plastic board-certified plastic surgeon who has a subspecialty in massive weight loss. So this is my shtick. First and foremost, never, ever, ever in life use the one-off to represent the masses. Right. Totally. So I know this guy, he smoked three packs of cigarettes every day, and he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro at 78. Well, you know what? He's a unicorn. Right. Everybody else is dead. Yeah. Okay, so- Well, I can also find no documentation of this guy, no scientific evidence Why don't we just do this for the sake of this podcast? He exists. Okay. He doesn't, but let's say he exists. What does that have to do with every other normal person? Right. Yeah. So it's, first of all, it's nonsense. It's, 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 there are people who lose weight differently and they have different degrees of skin elasticity. So when you start to lose the weight, there will be different degrees of loose skin. But when you hit your nadir, I'm talking 70, 80, 120, 140. I've had patients who've lost 200 pounds. They were at 400 pounds when they arrive at 190. There is no human being on the planet who will not have loose skin to the extent that it bothers them and it affects their daily life. And I'm not just talking about the little bit of loose skin that we're, you know, the regular person talking about. I'm talking about loose skin that chafes, that rubs against each other. I'm talking about loose skin that you have to actually bind into your clothes. And it's another another trap with the weight loss patient is that to the outside world, you look great. And you're almost not getting any more... I don't want to say sympathy or empathy, but people are like, it's almost like you living with a, this, 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 um, it's this a secret, this secret. Whereas when you're overweight, you know, people understand your, your situation. Like if you're having a hard time getting somewhere and you're overweight, it's like, well, you know, he's overweight. So you kind of get a little bit of slack, but when you're like you, you're in super great shape, you look ripped. And, but for example, you may have a Spanx on or something. Cause you have this loose skin. You don't get that real, like. No one knows that, well, I don't really want to take my shirt off at the beach. I'm just going to wear my, I, I don't, I, I don't want to get burnt. Right. And, or wait, wait you guys go, why don't you guys go ahead and I'll change and I'll meet you there. Do you know how many of these stories I've heard? Hundreds. Why don't you turn off the light, honey, before I come to bed? 
Yeah. So um, the, that guy, whatever that anecdotal situation is, it's it's uh, it's urban legend. Yeah. That should not be what people are focusing themselves on. And and now because because listen because my journey was massive weight loss, nearly three hundred pounds. Good for you, man. Total, but then I gained weight and then I lost yeah, it again. Sure, of so course, quite a bit more, but. Um, I definitely, there was a moment where I woke up one day and was like, I've lost a lot of weight. Nobody, like, when does this start to get tight? Because that had never been a conversation that I had seen in any diet book or any program where they said, prepare yourself. So I think it's very important for people to know that. But if somebody's listening to to this and they just want to lose 10 pounds, this does not they don't need to really think about that. No, I mean there the first there's no critical number, right? It isn't like hey, at 17 pounds get ready. Yeah. It's you have everybody's body is going to respond differently. It depends. I've had three kids. Um I'm a I'm a an African American male. Um I'm a skinny white guy. They're all going to be different, but there will be a weight at which after you drop, you're going to notice that the I mean this is the analogy you need to understand. You have a pillow and a pillowcase, okay? And that pillowcase, depending on the type of pillowcase, has a certain degree of elasticity or recoil to it. If you have a standard pillowcase, which is just cotton, you know that the only way for that pillow to look, pillow and pillowcase to look great is for you to stuff that pillowcase. The minute you take out the pillow and put in a smaller pillow, you can envision that that pillow unit looks kind of all wrinkly and disheveled. It doesn't look nearly as nice as the one that is packed. And so the question is, how well will your skin respond to the degree of decrease in weight? And so as there is no magic number, I can tell you anecdotally, what we refer to as massive weight loss is somewhere in the 40s and 50s and 60 pounds. Um, again, 40 pounds in a five foot three, 165 pound woman is massive because it's a percentile of how much you lose, not an absolute. It isn't just so if you know, so if you are 340 pounds and you lost 40 pounds, you're probably not going to notice any loose skin. As a matter of fact, you'll probably look great. And then you'll start to notice it differently. But the reason it's not really mentioned is because you know, it depends on where you go to lose the weight. So you go and you're like, I'm going to, a very good friend of mine is Tony Horton. Okay. P90X. I mean, the guy is 60 years old and he's, I mean, I would take any quadrant of his body. Yeah. And you're watching Tony and Tony's responsibility. I mean, you know, he, he's got an exercise program. You're watching him. He's not an educational program. He's not gonna be like, Hey guys, everyone, let's stop for a moment. Um, when you're done doing my program, you will lose, you know what I mean? Or you go, I think where it falls short, I definitely think the bariatric world doesn't do a good job of it. Um, meaning you go see a guy and you want to have a lap band or which those are gone now, but a gastric sleeve. I try to combine, for example, with a few of these guys and educate the patients preemptively. Like, hey, let's have a class. The class is I currently weigh 375 pounds. I'm really, really committed to losing this weight, albeit through bariatric surgery. Therefore, what do I need to know? Much like a mommy and me class. Like, I want to get pregnant. Well, and this is what you need to prepare for. And one of the areas that people don't prepare for is this weight loss part, which I think when you start as a bariatric surgeon, you you have an obligation to tell these patients because it's guaranteed. And why it's important is twofold. One is the emotional, psychologic shocker, right? Which is I'm going to, I put in so much energy and you're expecting this pot at the end of the rainbow, which is like, I'm going to look and feel great. 
and you find out you only get half of it. Right. Like, I feel great. I look terrible. The other half of it is the financial ramifications. So most people who lose a ton of weight lose it over a course of one to three years. That's probably the average, okay? Seldom in a healthy way can you lose 100 pounds in three months, right? So imagine how much money you could have saved in one to three years if you set aside 400 bucks a month. I'm just making up a random number because you know for sure that when you get to the end of your journey, there's going to be this financial... Because what happens is a lot of people find out. And so there's this like, oh my God, I got to get... Do what? I need a circumferential body lift? I need a arm lift? Okay. Well, how much is that? What? So where am I going to get that money from? Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden you're like, now you're even more depressed because you realize that in order to get where you want to go, you have this massive financial obligation. And then if you think to yourself, have you known that from the beginning... You could, like all other things in life, you could have planned for it, right? You would have slowly saved money and appropriately set aside. And, and I think when you do that, a lot more becomes possible. What are the, some of the recommendations you make for post-surgery to not gain weight? Because I had the surgery. I had uh, Which sur- one? The lap band? Or, no, 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 the, the, the circumferential the, body lift. Yes. Yeah. And found it to be incredibly painful but then also the i had a lot of uh, anxiety sitting still afterwards uh, feeling like i'm just sitting here doing nothing i need to be moving and i found it it was just a rough process mentally to go from very active in order to lose weight to like a couple months of sedentary lifestyle while recovering so it all depends on so i'll give you a couple things i think some of it it has to do with um, where, where you are in the mindset when you do the surgery. So it isn't as simple as I'm at my goal weight, I'm ready. That's one of the components before you undergo, like when I do a circumferential body lift, which basically means we call it a, a belt lipectomy. So the term belt refers to all the way around circumferentially 360 degrees. It's not just a tummy tuck where you remove skin in the front, but rather all the way around through the hip and all the way to the back. Um, when I do those cases, it's eight hours. I do them alone. I don't have anybody help me, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're about to embark on an eight-hour surgery, there's going to be a lot of things that you need to take in consideration. And it's not just I'm at the right weight. One of them is I'm mentally prepared. So if you have just hit your nadir, you like literally it's been a month that you got there and you did it by, for example, extreme workout regimen, it is a terrible time for you to go do this exercise because you are literally going to derail this train. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. And I hear patients constantly, oh my God, I'm gaining weight. You are not gaining weight. You do not gain weight unless you eat things. <laughs> right? Let's get back to the beginning of this. Sitting around does not gain weight. Right. It never has. It never will. Eating while sitting around gains weight. And so you're not prepared for the second phase of weight loss. Phase one is I'm losing the weight. Phase two is I'm keeping the weight off. Right. Totally different. They have nothing to do with each other. The first phase is super easy because it's goal-oriented, and goal orientation means I can do whatever you tell me as long as it's finite. I need you to drink this tea for 30 days. Oh, I ugh, tastes like crap. Oh, I can do it. I can do it. 30 days, not not 31, right? 30 days. I oh, two more days. But if I told you you got to drink this tea indefinitely, there's no way you'll do it. 
So the second phase of weight loss is this mindset that I have, I have arrived. It has become habituated. Whatever the hell I did to get here, I've now, it's second nature. And so if you have to work out seven days a week, which is brutally and difficult for you to do, you're never going to sustain it. If you're eating 450 calories a day and you're starving every day, you're never going to do it. So you never want to operate until you're in phase B, which is I have found my rhythm. Because when you do surgery, surgery is incredibly disruptive. And so if you don't have a, if you're not zen about it, you're going to have anxiety, repercussions. You're going to gain weight again. There's no way because your whatever mantra you're using to get there is now you're not using it. So it shouldn't surprise you. Uh, when I do surgery, I'm not sure how you did it, what you did. Obviously, they're going to vary. Six weeks, you're good to go. I, you're ready to go and I exercise. So your downtime should never be more than six weeks. You should have no pain after six weeks. It's uncomfortable. It's a major surgery. But I can only speak from my experience and the cases that I do. And it's, it's, it's when done correctly, it shouldn't be this vehemoth seven-month journey. It's like it's, it's six weeks of being reasonable, and two weeks off work. So if let's say, obviously, if you are, are a boxer, you can't go back to work. But if you work at, a, at an, an administrative-type level, two weeks you go back to work after a body lift, and six weeks you're back to exercise. You're not going to go back to Barry's Boot Camp doing you know 12-mile uphill hikes, but you're going to start cruising on the treadmill, you're going to start riding a bike, et cetera, et cetera. By three to six months, you should be kicking ass. Yeah, listen, I did this all wrong. I was not in the right mind frame. First of all, the first diet book I ever read was Adele Davis 25, 30 years ago. And in no part of that was loose skin mentioned. And I think maybe this grows out of the fact that diet culture initially was for people to lose 10 pounds and there just weren't a lot of people my size. Correct. And now we cut to 2020 there's a lot of people who could lose 100 plus pounds. Absolutely. Tons. So we have a whole different kind of set of needs. And this conversation should be happening more so that people go into it with some knowledge. I had no idea. So I was doing weird sodium and sure. wraps and uh, uh, ultraviolet lights and all kinds of shit that I was told this will tighten your skin, creams and salves. Right, so it's a trillion-dollar business. Right. So what ends up happening in my frustration, and, you know, my job is to educate patients to make good decisions, and then subsequently the rest will follow. So my biggest pet peeve in the whole world, and I, as you know, have my own podcast, and it's kind of like a – it's kind of like a uh, – uh, um, what's that guy's name? The uh, – I forgot his name – Howard Stern. Yeah. Um, I'm a Howard Stern of plastic surgery. Yes, it's I'm awesome. Totally no bullshit. I want you to succeed and I want you to be able to eliminate smoke and mirrors. So f- diets and skin wraps and creams and lotions and lasers and potions and all that bullshit that you see late night. And there's a reason it's late night because they're targeting the people that are unhappy and people that are unhappy are up late night. All that stuff is, is just, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, taking advantage of vulnerable people. It's a money-making machine. And it, the reason it's not being discussed is there aren't enough people like you. So this conversation has now begun, and I'm sure, like you, there are other people who realize, whoa, this is... this is. So the conversation is going. But you're absolutely right. The, the idea of massive weight loss, we didn't have as many 
super uh, massively obese and super obese people in the 1950s. We had, but not nearly as many. And anything we did back then, educational-wise, was really streamlined for the one percenters anyways. Yeah, it was mostly housewives or, or this kind of thing. It wasn't yeah, yeah. people who just were like children going to school who became obese. That didn't really exist. Yeah, and so we've chart. you know, it's an there's definitely a lot more knowledge now. And you're absolutely right. You, you know, a lot of people start this without sufficient it's kind of I was I was having dinner last night with a friend of mine and they were talking about someone that they knew that basically got pregnant the wife of my friend she ends up being a a, a doula or a midwife and she, the lady two weeks before her pregnancy two weeks before her pregnancy came to her and said hey other than feeding a child is there anything else I need to know I swear to god right. and she was like uh yeah there's a, have you read a book? Right. She's like, I read, I read a book. She's like, how many pages of the book did you read? She's like, the first chapter. So the idea of having a child and not being prepared is, is preposterous. Right. But losing 150 pounds is like having a child in terms of the effects of your physiology, the emotional effects, the financial effects, the da-da-da-da-da. So, but we wouldn't scoff if someone said, hey, you lost 200 pounds. Did you prepare for this? You're like, what do you mean did I prepare for it? I just started losing weight. Right. You should have prepared for it because it's a big journey. Yeah, I I think that, I mean, listen, it was just not something that ever occurred to me. I just thought my only issue is that I'm obese and I just need to lose weight and then I'll be fine. I had no idea, you know, and I thought maybe like I'll have some knee issues because I was so heavy for so long or my ankles or whatever that is that from heavy sure. lifting. I never knew I also was, you know, this was 14 years ago when I had this procedure done. Um, I don't know if it's it's probably been perfected quite a bit better, but I wasn't, I had not done a maintenance period on my diet. I kind right. of was like, I've dieted hard and I'm ready. I'm doing I it. just yeah. lost it. <laughs> and as of today, I, I agree with you. Goals are what get me through life and kind of a, a cyclical goal of mine is maintenance on my diet. I go a couple months with not gaining or losing weight and just to like see what it's like to eat for my body's yeah. uh, needs. Right. That said, I had this surgery, had terrible anxiety, and within 10 days had been moving around so much that I tripped over a, a, a short wall, tore my side open. Yeah it became a very long recovery. Like it was a disaster from start to which, finish. Which shouldn't surprise you, right? Yeah, and I an, gained weight. Yeah, so for, for I mean, you're an exemplar, you're, you're a perfect example of why, you know, as a surgeon, so I, you know, you, our, my job is not to look at you singular. Singular means you come in, you lost the weight, you're ready. It's to poke and probe and ask and da-da-da-da-da. And sometimes you discover that despite the obvious loose skin, you're just not the right ready for that surgery. And so our job is to say, hey, why don't you da-da-da-da. So number one question I ask when people come in like, hey, I lost 150 pounds. I'm like, congratulations. That's awesome. How long have you been this weight? Yeah. Like if you don't ask that question, then you don't give a shit about the patient. Because the next question, if the answer is, oh, I've been this weight for four years. Let's talk. Right. If the answer is, I just got here and I'm on my way down, then uh, congratulations. It's awesome. Why don't you come back yeah. when you've been there for six months? You're, but, so you're a, per, you're a great person to talk about it because you did it sort of – who are the best people to talk about things? People who did it the wrong way because yeah. you're like, hey, listen, let me just – use my misery as right. your guidance. You don't need to do this crap. 
Um, Here are all the ways I failed. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's those are the nobody wants to hear to someone that succeeded. It's not interesting. Nobody learns anything. It, people want to know the things that they struggle with for two reasons. One, because it helps them not do it, and the other is because I'm sure some people are listening. Like, well, holy shit, I did the same thing. Yeah. Then you realize, wow, it's human. It, it's so what it is. But there's no question that when you take the path, I wouldn't say the right path because there's several paths, but the but the seemingly correct paths, you will without a doubt reap the rewards. There's yeah. no question. I have hundreds of patients who were morbidly obese, who hated their lives, who suffered. We did a podcast on a gal who basically only started her journey because her husband begged her because she was having apnea. And basically, he, he every night he would sit up next to her because he thought she was going to die. Not because she was overweight. She actually, our podcast is very funny because she was talking about how like their sex life was arguably better. So there's, it had nothing to do with aesthetics. It was just, he was just worried about her. And she carried it through. She's a sheriff. Uh, and... She came to our, I mean, all glammed out, super attractive, heels, the whole shebang. And this is like, she was my patient, I don't know, seven years ago or something. And she is the quintessential story, right? And she, you know, she, we'll po we posted her photo at like 327 pounds and then her in my office with all d glammed out, and, you know, and you just like, that's what this is about. And so, you know, plastic surgery is a crucial component of the journey when used correctly like any other tool or, you know, device. Yeah. So I think it's really important that people, because we get so many questions about this, people write to Ethan all the time, what do you do about loose skin? So the fact that we're doing this is, is great, but the, you know, you're just talking about when you go into a doctor's office and you're considering doing the surgery, if someone's not asking you the questions, um, that you just laid out, how long has this weight loss been off and digging and finding out where you're really at. I guess I'm just saying that that's, there's a responsibility on both sides, but that I think that's good for people to know if you're going to go do this, you want to know that the person who's doing it with you knows what they're doing just beyond, beyond just the surgical skill, you know, but that they're asking you these things and those are things for people to consider. Well, I mean, let me give you some criteria that you need to know. First and foremost, it is a subspecialty. Let me explain to you why. The reason why it's a subspecialty is because if you've lost 100 pounds and you have loose skin on your abdomen, you're not the same as a woman who's had three kids. Know that for sure. And the, and the reasons why is your anatomy is totally different. The vascular structure is different. Your skin elasticity is different. And there's a lot of things you need to take into consideration. So number one, you don't want to just go to any guy who says, oh, I can just nip tuck this. Bear, people who've lost a lot of weight, often their expectations are initially less than regular cosmetic patients. So they are vulnerable. If you just get rid of some of this loose skin, I'll be happy. And so they don't have the same critical, they're not as critical about their expectations as would be, I want to take my daughter to have her nose done. Just think about those two different expectations. So as a result, a lot of yahoos are doing bariatric, post-bariatric weight loss surgery, cosmetics. And for example, in the surgery center that I used to work at, the guy down the hall is a bariatric surgeon. That means what he does is the sleeves and all that. He was doing the cosmetic surgery on those patients. Why? Because he can make extra money. And why would the patient allow him? Because they trust him. He's the guy that gave them their life back. And you can see how they're vulnerable patients. This guy's like, I got you 150 pounds off doing your sleeve. You have this loose skin on your belly, no problem. I mean, if I can get 150 pounds off your body, I'm just going to nip this off. You're like, 
great. You trust this person, but they have no qualifications. Did you bother to look at their website and look at their results as you would if you were having your rhinoplasty? So you definitely need to know what the hell you're doing. And you must demand the same level of aesthetic quality as you would if you were going in for any other very aesthetically driven procedure. You shouldn't be it's good enough because when and if you do it and you don't get the results you want, I guarantee you'll spend a ton of money and you'll be yet again disappointed. Why? You'll have shitty scars. You won't remove the right amount of skin. The stuff that you remove will not look as good as you want. For example, your arms will have not a normal shape to them. You'll get complications like wound dehiscence, which means it pulls apart, infections, which you are way more prone to get than just a regular person getting a tummy tuck. Again, going back to why this is a subspecialty, your nutritional levels aren't the same. So you must be critical. And you must not just be like, I just need this off. I don't care. Whoever is fine. I can't afford the guy that's this is what he does. So I'll go to this other guy because it doesn't matter. I'll never be able to afford. You, you just don't do that. You don't get the tumor removed from your brain by the dentist because he just happens to be convenient. So what you're saying is absolutely true. And when you go to someone who is a massive weight loss aesthetic surgeon specialist, you'll have all the things you deserve. One, you go to their gallery and there'll be tons of photos. Not two, not seven, tons. This is their specialty. Two, when you go and see them, they'll ask you the appropriate questions because when you do this, you ask the questions that you need to ask. When, What kind of, did you have a lap band? Where's the lap band? Where's the port located? What's your nutrition level? Are you, are you, are you taking supplements? If you had a gastric bypass, for sure you'll be malnutrition because that's what happens with a, 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 a bypass. You lose some of your absorption abilities, so on and so forth. So what you're saying is right on. And they need to care about you and you need to not just throw in the towel. And I see it so often. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I experienced that. I, I hadn't ever thought about it in those terms, but if I imagine like a gal who wears a bikini at the beach who then has some kids and then feels slightly uncomfortable about her bikini or whatever, can't wear a bikini anymore and wears one piece and goes, I want to wear my bikini again and goes in for a tummy tuck. She is looking for a level of aesthetic that is very high. As should be. Versus I lost, you know, at the time, 250, 250 pounds and was just like, get this hunk of flesh off me. Correct. And didn't even feel good about doing it. Felt like I was cheating because I'd never – I was like, I'm not a guy who wants plastic surgery. I'm not a guy who's vain. These are my thoughts. Why do I now – how can I rationalize this? And yet I have a flap of skin that is also useless and uh, in the way and invalidates all my hard work towards weight loss. 100%. And so it was kind of like – and and I'm not knocking the guy who did it. I don't know, but none of I had none of these conversations. It really was just take this off. Like sure, I've never taken my shirt off. I don't care if I ever take my right. Shirt off. It's this all is that. Not there, an issue. That's, and first and foremost, it's a reconstructive cosmetic surgery. So there's always this psychological component. Like I see women who want to get a tummy tag, and they're like, oh. But my husband loves me the way I am. My poor kids. What if something happens to me? And so they have to rationalize it. When in reality, the reason you're doing it is because you don't feel good about yourself. And this is a reasonable thing to do. I've taken off 23, 24 pounds of skin hmm. on patients. That is, that is you're wearing a dumbbell around your waist. So yes, it is reconstructive because you'll never get past it. There are patients where they have to do it in stages. So if you're 400 pounds you may not be able to get to your 200 pounds without a surgery in between as a stepping stone because the panis, that is the apron that you develop, may be so heavy and so cumbersome and so ridden with sweat and breakdowns and infections and all that that you can't even, it's an obstacle to lose weight. You can't run anymore. So then you do an interim surgery to lose that piece of flesh so that you can then continue on your journey only to come back and do the final surgery. So there are so many of these facets that you would only know if and when you speak to someone who's an expert in this particular arena. And so, yes, the psychological component of for those individuals who are not aesthetically driven, you're not a cosmetic junkie because you've got all this loose skin, but you should expect high levels of cosmetic outcome. You right. should demand it. Right. right? You're going to pay for it, so you should demand it. Yeah. It's a fascinating point of view that I have never even looked at myself having gone through it. But yeah, I, I wasn't really. I was just just like get rid of it. Any butcher just, can take this just, off if you can sew me up. And and the reality is absolutely one hundred percent any butcher can. I mean, I'm and I'm not being facetious, but a veterinarian can remove a loose skin. But can a veterinarian make it look good? Right. Two different things, and you will find that when all the skin is off and you just shelled out all this of hard-earned money, you're going to look in the mirror, and while the skin is gone, at that point, you'll have the aha moment, God, I, but I don't look like I want to look better. Yeah. So you have to, you have, to have the presence of mind to, to, give, to know that you're worth that and that you can look good or great when you do this. So, for example, a lot of people that do bariatric surgery, excuse me, the aesthetic component, they tag-team this thing. So a common thing is you come in and – so what are the areas that you need? As I mentioned, often neck, arms, trunk, inner thighs, and then chest. 
chest in men is gynecomastia, in women would be breast deflation and breast lift. Okay, those are the main core areas. So you'll go in and what's your dream? To go in, have surgery, wake up, it's all gone. I don't give a shit how much it costs. I don't care if I don't care if I'm under anesthesia for 19 hours. Just get this thing fixed. And then you'll and I'll see patients who will have come to me after having gone to many, you know, two or three consults, whatever it is. And I'll often tell them, I'll break it down, and I always create a wish list. And I said, What's your number one priority? You don't have enough money for all this, let's say. What can't you not live without? And they're like, Oh, I gotta get rid of my trunk. I just can't do this. Another person will say, My bat wings, I can't even wear t-shirts. And they'll prioritize. And then I'll go through each of them, and then I'll tell them each how long each of them takes to do. And then I'll say, well, you can only do one or two of these with me first. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, I can't. I, my max is eight to 10 hours because I'm the only one operating. Pick two. We'll do those. Let those heal. Look great. Come back. They're like, but the last guy said he can do all, he can do my arms and my thighs and my neck. So then you ask yourself, just, you don't need to be a surgeon. You just need to be a person who has basic logic. If I'm going to do two things in eight hours or nine hours, hypothetically, and someone's going to do four things in that same time, either I am incredibly slow or they are incredibly fast, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so the answer is that you can't do handmade things fast and still have high quality. You can't make an amazing rug that comes from India that took nine months on a weave like you can the one that comes out of Taiwan out of the factory in about 35 minutes. So this, the analogy I often use is if you come to my house and I, it's time for dessert, and I say, would you like a souffle? And you're like, oh, I'd love a souffle. And I go into the kitchen, and then four minutes later I come out. Do you need to taste it? Do you even, do you even have to put a spoon in it to know it's going to taste like shit? Right. Why? Because souffles take like 30 minutes. At average. So what I try to explain to them is that you must have the presence of mind to understand you can't be a child about this. You need to know if someone says they're going to do it. So how do they do it? They tag team it. So 90% of the guys I knew in the bariatric weight loss aesthetic world have people, multiple people. I refer to it as the sort of indie car, uh, you know, uh, pit crew style. One guy's working on your right arm. Another guy's working on your left arm. One guy is closing the thigh and they're just working and it's totally acceptable. It's not malpractice. It's the way it is. People have assistance. It's fine. I'm not knocking it. And as a result, they can do more in a certain period of time. And if they tell you when you go see them, Hey, I can do these three things, but I'm going to be high. I'm going to be bringing in some assistance and you say, go for it. High five. But that's not the dialogue. You hired Picasso to do paint your your house, you, you can't have you know Brad and Mario and Jose there when they show up. Where's Picasso? So what I'm trying to explain is that when I do the surgeries, I do the surgeries, yeah. and when I close and I want to kill myself because I'm tired and my back aches and I'm cursing, I'm the one closing the whole goddamn thing. It's not common, it's not customary with bariatric surgery because it's massive, a lot of incisions. You can do that when you're doing a facelift, a rhinoplasty, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to put it out there. You need to demand a high level of excellence 
you'll have to pay for it, but at least know. And if you say, listen, I, it's not that important to me. I, this is what I can afford. I don't mind going to my guy who did my bariatric surgery. I know he's not as qualified. I'm actually totally okay with that. Just know what you're getting right. as opposed to, oh my God, I took every penny I had and I put it in this and now it looks terrible and I have this wound complication and this area opened up and it's infected and I have this horrific scar and I'm definitely not any more less self-conscious. I mean, why the hell did you do it? You did it so that like, I always say you want to you want to look great naked. That's your goal. You decide to be naked, you don't, that's up to you. But you should have that option, naked. That's the goal, not I look great in clothes. Yeah. If- I it's 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 a wild point of view that I just never took and it, and it, and it's shocking to sit here right now and and realize that I didn't even think about that. Look, I I uh, have a friend John Cloud who lost a lot of weight is not going to do the surgery and is like out there taking pictures of himself going this is my body and i think so highly of him he's at least having the conversation so that people are aware this is what happens Mm -hmm. um and he's confident and that's amazing uh the idea that look i raced my weight loss i went as fast as i could and the minute that I realized that all my sodium wraps and special lights were not affecting the loose skin, I was happy for any butcher to say, I'll hack that off of you. And there was no moment of like, this is a major surgery. I want it to be perfect. I want perfection. I wasn't even thinking well, in those terms. And the idea of like taking some time to exist in this new weight, super important. Like all these things are super important. Yeah, no, I mean, but remember the mindset. When you come in and you want a breast dog, you're moving up. You're going up a notch. I want to look better. You're aesthetically critical. When you're losing weight, you already have generally most patients a self-esteem component. Then you're losing weight and oddly you're getting worse looking in your own mind. So your self-esteem is going down a notch. And so this is a this is a rescue. This is a this is a life raft. This is, I'm going to die. I need this. I just need to get on a boat. So your mindset is not the same as when you go in for a breast dog. And that's what I'm trying to change the dialogue. Your job is to change a dialogue in the arena of when you lose weight, you're going to have this kid. My job is to change the dialogue that if you're going to have the surgery, expect the best. Right. Don't shortchange yourself because you're, you haven't quite yet got your esteem to the level where it will hopefully get. Listen, if you walk around with tons of loose skin and you feel like a rock star, high five. You know, people love to, you know, everybody has an opinion, which they shouldn't. And everybody likes to force their opinion out there, which they shouldn't. And everyone loves to ride the soapbox of their sort of righteousness. And plastic surgery is often on the chopping block. Mm -hmm. And I think it is the most disingenuous and hypocritical thing on the planet. The first, the, the, the idea of being aesthetically connected to your body is not a vain issue. First and foremost, vanity is what vanity means. You care about the way you look. It doesn't mean that you're, that you have some deficiency or you're superficial or whatever. So we, we just, we just gave vanity a bad name, but it in and of itself has no negative connotation. The fact that anyone gets up in the morning, brushes their teeth, forget about brushing your teeth. You can tell me that it has, um, combs their hair, puts on deodorant, if you're a woman, I don't know, maybe maybe put on a lip, lip gloss, maybe paint your nails, uh, put in a little bit of color into your roots, boom, you're, you're vain. You're vain. Right. You're a vain human being. 
What are you talking about? I mean, I'm so natural. Kumbaya, I'm a vegan. <laughs> but do you have, you colored your roots. Yeah, but I mean, it makes me look old. I'm just, I'm not into plastic surgery. I said, you're just decided to draw the line in the sand just four feet different. Why'd you pierce your ears? What what the hell are those? Th- what are those monsters in your ear? You got a tattoo? Why are you getting it? It's an expression. So it's all nonsense. It's bullshit. Why are you putting on that dress? Why aren't you just wear like bur- burlap sacks and just go kumbaya and not shave your armpits? We just are just full of ourselves. We just love to say what I do is acceptable. So the fact that somebody has a huge nose and it makes them self-conscious and they choose in a very healthy mindset. I'm not talking about all this shit you watch on TV. I'm not talking about the one the one percenters. I'm talking about everybody else who's normal and thought about it and did homework and has their loved ones supporting them. And you go get your nose done and all of a sudden you're beaming with confidence. That's goddamn incredible. Yeah. And the same is true in the bariatric world. And the same is true in everything else. So I am such a pro-plastic surgery when done correctly. Yeah, I'm so anti-plastic surgery when you get sucked in and siphoned in to the vortex of all this social media expectations, Brazilian butt lift, nobody has cellulite, there are no such things as wrinkles, nobody has a goddamn stretch mark, um, everyone looks like they came out of some, you know, shiny, glossy, you know, uh, fat, wax factory. So there are there are no absolutes. Yeah. And so absolute are what caused this problem. But your conversation about having lost weight, having this loose skin, what do I do with it? How do I go about it? What's a better way? What's a shitty way is absolutely necessary. Yeah, and 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 I think just simply so that people know what's happening. This is going to happen. You want to start saving for the for the surgery? Do that. But don't wake up one day and go, I, I di- I'm, the, I'm the one who failed at weight loss because of this loose skin. Because it's so under-talked about. I think it's shocking to people when it happens sometimes, sure. you know? Okay. I think we've had an amazing conversation. Now I have uh, an, a little story to tell you, and then I want to ask you a question. I'm a, I'm a bit of a maniac, and part of me rationalizing having this surgery years and years ago, I, I didn't want to do it. I felt vain. All those things you're talking about, which I think are ridiculous things to think, but I had them. At some point, I was like, well, if there was something I could do with the skin, I would feel more justified in this. And then I thought, well, you know animal skin can get tanned and turned into leather maybe i could tan my skin and i'm uh, you know it sounds ridiculous but i had this idea of tan the skin and like make little keychain bangles for my friends page last this is what i thought the doctor said absolutely not and i said why and he said because i'm not giving you your skin and i said when i had my wisdom teeth removed they gave me my wisdom teeth i'll put the skin in a cooler you'll send it to me i'll take it to a tannery they'll tan it he said no. So I started planning to have the surgery hijacked and I was going to have a friend come in and stick him up and take the skin. And when we were contacting tanneries, the tanneries apparently hadn't heard that this anybody would want to do this. And the FBI was contacted because we were asking about tanning human skin, which is a big no-no. And I was saying like, no, it's my skin. I'm going to have the skin removed. For me, I mean... I, it doesn't seem so insane, but to other people, they're like, you're fucking sick. I don't think it's sick. Would you have given me my skin? No. <laughs> so I, I, I think I think the 
principle is very justified, yeah. which is it gets back to the cornerstone, which is I need to justify this beyond the fact that it makes me feel good. Just right. think about that. You're doing it because it makes you feel good. Yeah. Period. And w- we have to feel like there needs to be another level of justice. That's not good enough. Right. I don't deserve just to feel good. There has to be a higher calling. It's infected. It's bothering. It, I can't exercise. It's Which is fine. But what about it makes me feel good? So I wouldn't give you your skin for a number of reasons. One, it's I think that it opens up a can of worms. You can imagine that. But what's what are the worms? What if I just wanted it as a trophy? Like, yeah. Look, so I we lost can't. We this. we don't give you human tissue because there's a lot of uh, uh, biological e- re- reasons. Number one, you, you 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 we don't know what you're going to do with it. So that's number one. I you you can, we give it to you. It's mine. And then you start doing all kinds of crazy things. There was a guy that used to take liposuction fat. He was a surgeon. He was obviously crazy. He obviously I don't know. He disappeared and went to Brazil or something. And he was making like he was pouring it in his car tank and making ethanol or something nuts out of it. Wow. So some sick people out there. So you can't deregulate human tissue and allow it to go out. Then there's issues of infections and viruses and you trap things in your body. Then you take this and for all I know you morsel it up and put it in brownies and give it to people because you're a sick fuck. Then you take it to the tannery and they get this great idea and then they start. And so it's just not an area that needs, we don't, we don't need to go there. And so while I, I get it, I understand what your thought process was. You're like, first of all, it's my fucking skin. And second of all, it's kind of a cool idea. (laughs) Um, That's awesome, but it's not going to happen. And we have so many other more valuable things to Contemplate. Yes, and at the end of the day, it was donated to people with burns, and I was I was very happy with that. Like that that felt again. So it, where it go where it goes? Just FYI, you because a lot of people ask me this. It's not uncommon to want to uh, do a twofer. I get the benefit, and someone else gets a benefit. Wow, that's even better. Um, it doesn't go to burn victims because you can't give someone your skin. Okay. Mm, you can only so you can only get skin from yourself. Okay. Um, you'll reject it like an organ. Uh, but where it goes, it goes sometimes, it goes to science and research where they study skin and they study treatments and they study the cells and the fat and this, that, the other. Um, depending on whether or not there's a research study going on at the time and whether or not a local local institution or lab needs it. Um, but predominantly it goes in the garbage yeah. where it belongs because at the end of the day, it's all the garbage you accumulated over your life. I felt I felt somehow better about oh, donating it to For something. Sure, you know, yeah, it's it's a two, it's, yes. it's it's a utilitarian part of who you are. Yes, I'm giving back to correct, someone. Correct, and I get the you gave it back to the universe. Trust me, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Because you have the damn podcast, and as a result, you probably help thousands of people. And so it's you know, if you're really looking for that connectivity, the full circle of it, it it, it is it is occurred through that avenue maybe more so than the actual skin itself yes. the skin is sitting in the bottom of some landfill so it's feeding right. the rats yes. and the worms it's okay? stardust again yeah yeah dr raban thank you so much i really do i i do think this is one of the most important aspects of this conversation because people have figured out how to diet but there still are many people that don't realize that this is part of it yeah and i and i and i think it's great that you're having the conversation cuz you know plastic surgery is always like 
I don't want to say it's controversial because we obviously live in 2020 and no less in America, no less in L.A. Um, but I think it's something that is often not spoken to in a heartfelt way. It's often sensationalized. That's why I hate these goddamn shows. I don't follow any of them. I've been asked to be on many of them. I feel like they actually do us a disservice. So I really commend you for having the conversation. I would just mention if anyone wants to check out, we have a, we have my podcast is called Plastic Surgery Uncensored. And it basically is this conversation on all topics. We have a lot of bariatric journeys. We have women and men like you who have gone through the experience and document and, and chronicle their emotional journey. We talk about all kinds of things like in specificness, like, I don't understand. So tell me about a thigh lift. What do we do? What What is an arm lift? And so on. So we have these podcasts uh, contribute, I mean, uh, dedicated to them. So if you find that interesting and people are listening to your show and they're like, oh, I want to lose weight, now I get it, that might be a very easy segue yeah. for them to check out. I think it will Plastic be Surgery Uncensored. Yeah. Plastic Absolutely. Surgery Uncensored. And is there uh, other social media stuff they should Yeah, follow? my name is Dr. Roddy Raban. So we have a we have a an Instagram. It's uh, Dr. D-R Roddy Raban, R-A-D-Y-R-A-H-B-A-N. And the website is just Roddy Raban, so R-A-D-Y-R-A-H-B-A-N.com. So real... Simple and easy. But I think uh, there's there's no shortage. And you just keep having this conversation and people will pick it up. And there's a lot of good doctors out there that can help you. But there are more bad doctors than there are good, which just simply means you need to just spend a little time and do your homework. I can't tell you how powerful I and, – and, and I, I – I could be totally unique here. I, I don't know, but it, I had never thought of it that way. I really only thought of it as no. You're not unique. That's why I told, it off. That's why I said it to you, which is your mindset is echoed by ninety percent of weight loss patients, and I have been doing this for fifteen plus years, and that's repeatedly the dialogue in my office, which is you know there's a sort of like. What is the bar minimum I need to do to just get this thing off? And then yeah. when we have the dialogue and we go through the photos, well, I, I take that back. Most of the patients who have come to me have spent time and they hence have looked at photos critically and so they have come. But but I, but I you're not unique in any way whatsoever. This is part of the process. Yeah. This is the mindset of many patients. Yeah, it's amazing. I think yeah. this will be very helpful. Good. Thank you so designed. much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And now for some Q&A. This question is from Joel. Joel writes, what to do once you hit a weight you're comfortable with and a process for maintaining that? I am having slash have had success with keto and intermittent fasting, but whenever I get near my goal, it just goes out the window and the cycle repeats. Thank you, Joel. Great question. Um, I, I build in maintenance periods to any weight loss cycle. So I haven't just gone from whatever my heaviest was straight down in a direct line to my goal. I know people have done that and I say good for them. That hasn't worked for me. Uh, but in between the beginning and whatever I foresee the end to be, there are periods built in there where I will have to maintain my weight for a couple months. I am actually in the midst of a maintenance period right now. I do this for a multitude of reasons, um, not the least of which uh, that dieting is stressful to your body. Just the act of losing weight is stressful to your body and your hormones and giving it a break 
to kind of settle down is a good idea so that the then the when you proceed weight loss is actually easier so i am doing maintenance right now i i imagine that uh this kind of maintenance that I'm doing now would be the same as if I was at my goal and I just wanted to maintain it. Um, because the whole point is I'm at this weight. I now want to exist at this weight for, you know, for me, it's a certain period of time for, but if this was my goal weight, it would be, this is the weight I want to be at forever. Um, which, no, that's not true because then I would just set a goal of like, I want to build muscle, so that's my new goal. But I would, I would hit this maintenance period either way. And with keto and intermittent fasting, I don't, I mean, you would just have to figure out wh- what you would have to eat to stay the weight you're eating, you're, you're at, and then keep eating that. I don't, I don't. I hadn't really done a maintenance period on keto or intermittent fasting, but for how it works on what I'm doing is I figure out what my macros are. That is basically protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And I I wouldn't necessarily increase my protein because I'm kind of maxed out there. So what I do increase for maintenance are carbohydrates and fats and, and – if after the first week I've gained weight, I'm, I'm going to have to pull that back a little bit. Now, if you increase your carbohydrates, your body's going to hold on to more water. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're gaining fat. So if there's a fluctuation, I go like if I'm 260 today, a couple pounds on either side of 260 is okay. So after a week, I, I weigh myself a couple times that week and two pounds either side of that is totally fine. Maybe even three pounds either side of that. But if it starts to creep up, then I have to reduce my carbohydrates and fat a little bit to bring it back. And you just fine tune until you figure out what your, what your food intake is allowed to be to maintain I recommend doing that kind of maintenance period in the middle of a diet, um, and I assume it would be the same at the end of a diet. Um, and then you got to take into consideration if you have super active days that are much more active than normal life, you might need to increase your food consumption on those days just to balance that out. But I don't think there's ever going to be a universe for me where I get to the end of the diet and then I just don't have to think about what I eat anymore. Now, I will say that from day one of my maintenance period, which was about six weeks ago to today, there is a lot less thought in it. Day one, I was really thinking about everything I ate because it was different than what I was eating while I was cutting weight, while I was losing fat. So I wanted to dial it in. Once it was dialed in, it becomes kind of a routine and it it requires less thought than when I'm still figuring it all out. But for keto and intermittent fasting, if you're doing 
either of those and then you hit your weight and you just eat whatever you want, um, you probably will just gain the weight back. Um, so I don't know if, uh, if this is a, a, a very depressing outlook that you realize that even when you get to the end of the diet, it requires more dieting, but it does. It requires some responsibility because obviously whatever we did that preceded needing a diet, if we just go back to doing that, we will need a diet again. That is my, my answer to you, Joel. If you have questions that you would like me to answer, please write in to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.